When you're in the market for a new car, you want a vehicle that conquers your daily commute, easily handles the elements, and looks great too. You need the reliability of a Toyota and the confidence that your investment will last. Why? Because after all the carpools, shopping trips, and weekends out, you want a car that still has plenty of miles left in it and holds its value for a great trade-in deal. That's where Toyota leads the pack as the number one resale value brand for 2024, according to Kelly Blue Book's KBB.com. So check out the all-new, fully redesigned 2025 Camry or test drive a stylish and affordable Corolla sedan or hatchback. And remember, when you choose Toyota, you're not just buying a car for today, you're investing in trade-in value for tomorrow. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals, for more. Vehicles projected resale value is specific to the 2024 model year. For more information, visit kellybluebookskbb.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Toyota, let's go places. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast about, you guessed it, how to be happier. This week, we'll talk about why and how you should toss unnecessary papers and why you might invent your own holiday. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, you and I have spent many happy hours tossing unnecessary papers together. (laughs) That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in Los Angeles. And yeah, Gretch, if it weren't for you, I would still have the lease (laughs) on my apartment that I rented in um, 1994, so... Oh, I remember that one. That was a good, that was a good toss. (laughs) So listen, in episodes 118 and in 67, so kind of every year, we're talking about design your summer. And I have a couple of ideas about what I am going to do to design my summer. How about you? Oh, Gretch, I'm having a tough time with this um, because, you know, my job is starting. My show, The Fix, got picked up on ABC, and it's so huge that it just kind of blocks out everything else right. and makes it hard to plan. So I'm still working on this. So your summer isn't really going to be a summer. No, although I'm happy to report, I guess this is one thing I did to design my summer, a week of the summer, um, which I did in about 15 minutes, which I planned a trip for Adam and Jack and me to go to Hawaii. Yay! Um, Yes, so it turned out I had a week, so we're doing that, but I don't know what else the summer holds, so it's ongoing. But what about you? Well, I made a list of some things that I wanted to do. One is I made a list of 10 stores, like kind of crazy 
stores that I want to visit with Eliza and Eleanor because, you know, this is New York City, so there's some really kind of specialty stores that are pretty crazy. Mm. Um, I was talking one time to this costumer and makeup artist who was telling me about this, like, Manhattan wardrobe design place, which she says is super cool. They've got, like, fake blood and stuff like that. So I thought, let's just go look around. We don't need to buy any fake blood, mm. but it will be go- it would be fun to just go check it out. I want to plan a little trip alone with each girl. So I want to go on mm. a trip with just each of us. And I'm going to make a list of people to have lunch with. A couple years ago, I tried to have lunch with somebody every single day. That was yes. too much. Okay. That was too much. But I'm working on a list, which I'm going to finish by this at the end of this weekend. And then I'm going to just try to hit those people, which will not be every day. But it'll be a lot of people to see. And also, so my book, Outer Order, Inner Calm, is inching towards being, you know, ready for publication. It's coming out in March. And so in honor of Outer Order, Inner Calm, I'm going to do a deep, deep clutter clearing. We are pretty good down the first and second layers, but then you get into deep clutter. And it turns out Eleanor is ruthless and relentless Mm. when it comes (laughs) to clearing deep clutter. And so I'm going to try to recruit her. I made a list of every room in our apartment, and I want whenever we feel like it, you know, just from time to time, we're going to tackle room by room and really look for deep clutter. And um, so I think that's going to feel good. That'll be good. And Gretchen, we also wanted to um, give an update on the question that we had in episode 168 about the mother-in-law who kept buying tons of unwanted baby gifts, even when asked not to do so. We heard from a lot of people, and uh, many of them suggested directing the gift giving, such as a college fund. But somehow we get the sense that this mother-in-law yeah. will not be satisfied with just yeah. being like, here's money for the college fund. Yeah, it doesn't sound like that's going to be her thing. Yes. People also suggested um, that you ask the mother-in-law to bring food, like the birthday cake. And this, um, this seemed like it might work. work. Yeah, because then she's still coming up loaded with treats and everybody will make a fuss. And she's bringing gifts, you know, choosing things and bringing things. So that to me felt like that that could be a possibility. Yeah, that seems like it could work. Um, another idea came from Karen who said, I have been invited to a family member's third birthday party and the note at the bottom of the page said, your presence is all we ask. If you want to bring a gift, we will be donating any gifts to the children's hospital. Perfect solution. The mother wouldn't even have to address the situation with her mother-in-law. If the grandmother brings gifts, the mom can just pass them along to a local charity and nothing ever has to be said. Right. That's just like on the invitation. So you're not even having the face-to-face encounter. Um, And then this is uh, from Jen. She suggested, my brother and sister-in-law have two solutions to this problem. One, they have asked for all of us to contribute to the 529 plan for the future education of their children. Okay. As many people suggest, see if you can direct it towards the college fund. And two, anything that doesn't fit goes into the grandparents' house and lives there for the mm. children to use when visiting. So anything that that the grandmother or the mother-in-law would bring in, you would hand back and say, like, oh, well, you hang on to this, and then you can use it with the baby when you're together at your house. That's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. I like it. Yeah. So thanks, everyone, for weighing in on that. Um, yes. Uh, tricky question. And, Alyssa, this week our Try This at Home tip is to toss unnecessary papers. And the thing is... Elizabeth, would you agree with me that this, of all the different kinds of clutter, clothes clutter, toy clutter, kitchen clutter, car clutter, all this kind of clutter, the getting rid of papers is really one of the hardest kinds. Like, it's it's not very satisfying. It's 
like not as satisfying mm. as cleaning out a closet. And it's really anxiety provoking, I think. What do you think? Yes, I totally agree because it feels like, well, I might need that important yeah. piece of paper. It's like also because there's that phrase, important papers. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, what constitutes an important paper, you know, in this day and age? Plus, you have to look at every piece yes. of paper. You don't want to just throw out a piece of paper that you haven't looked at, although that's probably not a bad idea. Um, so that is the problem. It's very tough. And also, it's like you clear such a small amount of space yes. because, you know, it's just a stack of papers and it's so time consuming. And yet I feel like it's one of the most deadly and draining mm -hmm. forms of clutter. I feel like having those yeah. old papers around, it's distracting because like then when you're looking for something that you actually need, you have to kind of like half skim a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like you're constantly kind of moving things around and sorting them. So it's a very draining kind of clutter. I mean, if you have like a, a coat closet that you never look at and there's just like a bunch of stuff jammed in there and you never go in and out, it doesn't really weigh on your mind very much. But like pap papers... Every time you open or have to go through them, it just can become really overwhelming. Um, yeah, and it seems like, is there something I should be doing with these papers? It's like there's a lot attached to them. Yeah, there's a lot attached to it. Um, so here are some questions to ask yourself as you're going through that maybe will clarify your decision making about whether it's appropriate to let go of something. Mm. And one of them, and this is one of my favorite of our many adventures in clutter clearing, Alyssa, this is one of my favorite my favorite episodes, is the question, do you actually need this piece of paper or receipt? Mm. Um, what specific use does it serve? And I remember when we were clearing your clutter one time, you just had these masses of statements from your union, uh, the Writers Guild. And it was this question, like, how do we organize these? And do we need to, like, you know, create some kind of special folder or special notebook or something? And then it was like, do you actually need these statements? And you were like... <laughs> No, I don't need these statements. I never use these statements. These <laughs> statements are not uh, nothing that I need. And we just it was so it was just like huge pile just yes. into the recycling, you know, because once you ask the question, do I need it? No, you don't need it. Yeah, Gretchen, I have to point out that clutter clearing session is the one where we actually filled up the trash chute. Yeah. From my, you know, the apartment <laughs> in the hallway of my apartment building, there was a trash chute and we could throw nothing else away yeah. because we filled it up. Yeah, that was we, that we got a lot done. That was that yeah. was a, that was you were, that we was were getting epic. you pa packed to move from one apartment to another in Los Angeles. And yes, that was that was a whole. I should write a short story about that because that, that we we <laughs> we had we had many many adventures along the way. And by the way, we should say this is probably something that now would be emailed to you, so it wouldn't even appear mm. in clutter. But like. Mm -hmm. For goodness sake, don't print it out if you don't need it and then file the yeah. thing that you printed out. Um, but then but we all have stuff like this, even 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 in the age of email, somehow these papers proliferate. Um, and a kind of related question is um, and if you're trying to decide if you actually need it, because sometimes you're like, well, maybe I do need it. Say to yourself, but have you ever actually used it? Because maybe you're mm. thinking like, oh, I really do need this. But then you're like, have you ever used it? Because you mm. probably don't actually need it if you haven't actually used it. Because sometimes we have sort of a theory of the case. Mm. This will yeah. come in handy one day. But if you've never actually used it, you could probably pitch it. Yeah. And then there's um, how easy would it be to replace if you did need it? Yes. Except for items like old letters and journals, most things can be replaced. Yeah, yeah. So if it's a statement or, you know, uh, some, there's a lot of things where you can take a risk. 
Because yeah. if you, if you make a mistake, like if you throw away your old journals, they're never coming back. But a lot of things, if you, it might be kind of a hassle to hunt it down, but you could get your hands on it if it turned out you needed it. If it turned out you made a mistake, so it's not it's not such a high stakes thing to to uh, to put it in recycling. And then there's also ask yourself, will it quickly become dated, like travel or shopping information? That's a really good one. Yeah, I feel like some people really love to keep that sort of stuff around. And it's just now, especially now with the internet, everything becomes dated so quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. Why are you keeping kind of this static version of it? Like if you've marked it up or it's somehow useful to you, then you are using it. But if you're keeping something kind of as a resource, it probably isn't a very helpful resource. Because if you actually got to the point where you were planning that travel, you'd say, hey, I better go online and see, like, have mm-hmm. has the schedule changed? Have things been updated? Is this restaurant even still open in Seattle? You know, you, you can't yeah. you can't depend on it unless it's somehow useful to you. But often you might not. You, you just if it was like 10 best restaurants in Seattle, you just look up 10 best restaurants in Seattle today. You wouldn't look at the right. thing that you had from two years ago. It's like you don't need to keep that. Yeah. And related to that, about how the Internet um, sometimes makes some kinds of clutter uh, easy to clear, is, like, one thing that I keep a lot of that I realize I don't need to keep a lot of is manuals. You know, like, Mm. you get, like, we just got a new toaster because our toaster died. And it's like, it's got this little manual with it. It's like, okay, first of all, do I think that I will ever need the toaster manual? Probably not. (laughs) And then second of all, if for some reason I do need the toaster manual, like, the handle falls off and you think, like, oh, is there a way to just, like, snap this handle back on? You could just look it up online because all the manuals are online. So that's a bunch of stuff that, you know, I used to go out of my way to create sort of a file where I had all the manuals, yeah. and so would, yeah, which, of course, I never looked at. And I didn't even remember that I had it um, until it came time to, you know, put it all into the recycling bin. Um, but you can remember that for that sort of information, you can look it up online if you need it. Yeah, that's probably two drawers now that you mentioned that, Gretch, we have at home that we could probably just dump because I think that all has manuals. Yes. Well, it's interesting that you're saying this because I remember in your office, I said, can I throw away these manuals? And you said, <laughs> no, because that tech stuff is like in Adam's domain and he may want them. Mm, but maybe right. if you, so you were trying to be respectful. I'm going to bring it up to him. Yeah, yeah. You could say to him, hey, we'll have more room for your baseball caps if you get rid yeah. of your uh, the manuals. All this tech stuff comes with so many gadgets and gizmos and remotes and cables and manuals. And it's just, you know, you're like, do I need any of this stuff? But everything has to be evaluated. Um, And related to that is, and this is, we talked about this before, like, what happens if you don't have this thing? What Mm. are the consequences? Like, what if you throw it away and you can't get it back? What happens? Usually not much. You know, it's yeah, like aside received. from something totally sentimental, yeah. the only thing it could mean is like a very frustrating, long phone call, like being yeah. on hold trying to get something sent to you, right? Yes. Yeah. That's the worst that could happen. Right, right. And here's something that's, that's kind of, I think this is one of the hardest things to let go of, um, was something that was once quite useful and necessary, and now... It's not because it's related to a part mm-hmm. of your life that's over. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times clutter, at least for me, the form that my clutter takes, I think a lot of people have forward looking clutter when they're like, I might need this in the future. And then some people have backward looking clutter, which was like, I loved this or this was important to me or this was important to someone I love in the past. Mine tends mm-hmm. to be things from the past. I don't really worry about the future, but I hang mm-hmm. on to stuff. And it's hard to say like, well, this was like, oh, this was like a phone sheet for a bunch of people I worked with. But I don't work with those people anymore. I don't need to have their home phone numbers. Or 
you know, this is when we were going to this place in the summer, but we don't go to that place in the summer mm. anymore. That that chapter's over. Sometimes I, I like to keep the paper just as like a memento, but it's a very unsatisfying kind of memento. Mm-hmm. It's it's not thoughtful. It's not purposeful. It's not beautiful. If I wanted to, I could take a picture of it. If I'm like, oh, there's just something charming about seeing this marked up phone list or like I came, I did come across this and I was glad I had kept it. I had a summer associate job one time that I hated. I really did not mm-hmm. like this job. And I had made a cal. I had done that thing where you make the calendar of the summer and then you mark off every day. Oh and I my fa- gosh! I found that, and that was an that's, important memento. So that's funny. But um, but for something like that, I could have just taken a picture of it and had the same thing than having the actual artifact. So that I was yes. glad I kept. So I'm kind of contradicting myself because uh, I was glad that I kept that. And then finally, Gretchen, you tell people never make a folder labeled miscellaneous. <sighs> Or anything that's a, that's a um, mm-hmm. uh, like a paraphrase of that. I mm-hmm. literally, and I'm saying this is something that I did like a year ago. I made a, I had all these papers lying out on my counter because I have sort of this counter in my home office, and I was like, what am I going to do with these? Like they don't really go anywhere, but I feel like I need them. They're useful, and yet mm-hmm. I never look at them. But they're too valuable. What do I do? So I made a folder called Active Useful Documents. Mm-hmm. Guess how many times I've looked in that folder? Never. Never. Never looked in that folder. So not useful. Not useful. It's like figure not active. Yeah, yeah. Not not active useful folder is just a, it's just another way to <laughs> say miscellaneous. I fooled no I fooled only myself. Um, That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Now how about you, Elizabeth? Is there anything that you've struggled with? Well, you know what paper I struggle with is business cards. Oh, I'm kind of surprised that you even encounter business cards. Is that, do you, I do. Does Hollywood I, have business cards? They do. You know, I don't have one myself, although I probably should, I guess. But um, I um, get them at various meetings I go to or if it's some gathering. Even in the podcast world, I get a lot of, you know, people give me business cards. And the thing is, I'm whenever I get it, I'm like, oh, I need this business card. But I've never once used one of these business cards. But I feel rude give, throwing them away because it's like someone's personal information. Wait, so you keep it not because you're thinking one day I will need this. You're thinking like this is an important this is like something related to a person and I need to respect that person's personhood. Well, it starts with, I think I'll use it. And then uh-huh. once I realize I won't use it and I don't even remember like the context for it, then I have just like a feeling of it being like yeah, attached to a human being. Um, well, this is something that I think is really helpful, which is the longer you hold on to things, the harder they are to get rid of. Mm. And so something like a business card, you might really want to just say like, I'm going to throw it out like on my way uh, out of the car. Yes. Uh, mm. I'm going to stick it in my pocket and I'm just going to clear my pocket and throw it away right away because then, first of all, it doesn't enter into your space. And second of all, you don't start ha- – because then when you have a pile of business cards, you're like, oh, what am I going to do with these business cards? I can't just throw them all out. But you really can't. You never use them. You never right. need them. <laughs> I think also offering a business card, it's just like a gesture. In many situations, yeah. I feel like it's a gesture of like, I'm connecting with you. Yeah. And it's like it's like shaking hands or something. And so it's done its job, you know, as Marie Kondo would say, you know, it's like fulfilled its little destiny as being an object, mm-hmm. a token of connection. And now you can put it in the recycling bin. OK, I'm going to start doing <laughs> But But I'm so glad you mentioned this because I actually have a notebook that has pages that are have specific pockets that are exactly the size of business cards. And for a long time, mm. I would put business cards in there. 
And I loved it because it was such a cunning solution for what do you do with your business mm-hmm. cards. But I realized I haven't looked in that thing for like seven years. Right. So I, so I you can not, just toss those. I can get, well, I'll just give it, yeah, to goodwill. Because uh, it is like if you are a person who uses it, this could be a very handy thing. But I'll, t- I'll toss the business cards and I'll get that thing off my shelf. It's taking up valuable bookshelf real estate in my office. Mm-hmm. And I had never reconsidered it. This is, this is good. Yeah. All right, we got to go clear papers, Gretch. I, I, you, there's never an end to it. I feel like I've done it a million mm-hmm. times. I'm going to do it in, another one like get, as soon as I get home. Um, let us know if you do try this at home and how tossing unnecessary papers works for you. And what are the questions, the strategies, the tips, the mantras that you use to help you make it easier to decide what's worth keeping and then what's really worth sticking in the recycling. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or go to happiercast.com slash 172 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, we've got what I would call a very festive happiness hack. But first, this break. There are some stories about our father's life that I truly never get tired of hearing, from hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting. His retelling of the events always brings me joy. Just in time for Father's Day, I found the perfect gift that captures all his stories for our family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your father or father figure's life for years to come. And Gretch, you get a book of all these stories. And I love just keeping a book on the coffee table and anyone from any generation can see a story from dad, like what was his favorite toy or what was his first job? Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash happier. That's storyworth.com slash happier to save $10 on your first purchase. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And now, Elizabeth, it's time for a happiness hack. Yes, this hack comes from Sarah. She says, my friends and I sometimes find it challenging to spend holidays together. So we created our own holiday. 1111 is Angel Day. We vote on something we'd all like to do together and celebrate being together. We write cards with wishes for the coming year and we build onto it each year. Now, I love this idea, Alyssa, because it's sort of a mashup of several ideas that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. 
One is in one fifty episode one fifty eight. We talked about creating a standardized vacation, and mm-hmm. but with this idea, you don't even necessarily have to plan a trip. You could live in the same city and like make a plan to get together for lunch or coffee. Or if you can't even get together, you could still celebrate it by sending cards and messages and things like that. And it's the note of whimsy from episode 146. This is just Mm. fun. Like you, they have Angel Day, but you could have it anything you wanted um, to make it like as fun and crazy as you thought. Yes, and it's also related to one of your favorite um, Mm. things, Gretchen. And we talked about it in episode 88, which is celebrate minor holidays. Right. So in our house, we make a big deal of things like St. Patrick's Day, Valentine's Mm -hmm. Day, because the big holidays sometimes get to be so much work that it can be a little overwhelming. So it's fun to just have a playful holiday. And I love the idea of just like creating your own holiday, whatever suits you. Just pick a day. Yeah, it's fun. It kind of reminds me of um, recently, Gretch, with the royal wedding. Yeah. I feel like a lot of women, at least in my world, turn that into kind of a holiday. Yes. Um, and got together and had parties and, you know, wore hats. I mean, I, um, I, I did. Um, <laughs> and um, it was just fun because yeah. it was something special. And so whenever you sort of create a special day, yeah. it, it brings out everybody's festive side. Well, and I think this is the thing. You need a prompt. You need a catalyst. And so sometimes people, like, you know, people complain about Mother's Day or Father's Day and saying it's, or, or Valentine's Day and say it's, a, it's an artificial holiday. It's like forced on us by, you know, like consumerism that we have to participate in this. But the fact is, it's. I think it's great to have a reason to think like, wow, I really, like, let me think about my mother. Let me call my mother. Let me send my mother a card or, or, uh, or a present. And same thing with your father. Like, you need something to remind you. It's not that you don't believe it all days of the year, but you need something that's like, okay, I'm going to focus on this relationship right now. And so if you said, oh, well, with these people, I want to have, I want to have that moment then you can create it yourself. And, you know, we all need an excuse to buy fun cards, I think. Mm. Uh, I love buying fun cards, but when do you send them? To whom? It's like, I would love to have mm. a reason to, like, you know, plan a fun get-together and um, send people my good wishes. Yeah, and it's a great idea that they made it an easy-to-remember date, yes. like eleven eleven. Yes. Because that will help everybody stay on board. Yes, yeah. Well, Elizabeth, as you know, my wedding anniversary is, by total coincidence, we did not plan this, is nine four ninety four, And that has mm-hmm. been so useful to me because otherwise I'm sure I would have no recollection of what my wedding anniversary is. And I know MIT, I think I mentioned this before because I was so enchanted by this. MIT sends its college admissions notifications on March 14th, Pi Day, 3.14. So if if you're picking your day, pick a cool day. Pick a day that's memorable for some reason. Um, Because, yeah, if people can remember it, it'll be easier to celebrate it. So thank you, Sarah, for such a fun hack. We should all go out and invent our own holiday. Absolutely. And now is it the time for a happiness stumbling block? And this is, I think, a stumbling block that we all experience. Maybe it's part of the human condition. And it takes many mm. forms. But it's the stumbling block of, like, when you're feeling frustrated by other people because mm. they, for some reason, are <laughs> just not seeing things clearly. You know? <laughs> and you're thinking, why is it that I'm the only one who understands what's really going on here. And the fact is that we all need to remember is each of us may not be as right as we think we are. Mm, Yeah, that's 
That's a very good point. One that I think we all have trouble grasping. Yeah, because we all think that we see the world clearly. I mean, it's just you think yes. you see you think you see the world the way that it is, and that everyone sees the world the way that you do. I um, mean, one of the things about studying the four tendencies and studying habit change and happiness, it's just striking to me. It's surprising to me how often people really just do view different situations from different perspectives. I mean, Lisa, you talk a lot about reframing and the power of reframing. That's really just saying you can see the world mm. in a different way. You can choose to see a different reality if you set this thing up in your mind. It's just crazy how often people just don't see the world in the same way. Yeah, it's not that anyone is trying to um, to thwart you. It's that they honestly see it differently. And they're just as bewildered at the way you're, <laughs> you see the world as yes. you are and the way they see the world. Right. And what's fun about this is it's true, like, as we're talking about it with ideas and perspective, but it's also true this in the sheer perception of the world. Like, literally, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? And there's all these crazy examples. So let's go through some of the ones that have, like, kind of been in the news. So one yes. is, well, an obvious one is optical illusions. We've all seen a million optical illusions. We all know how you can see different things, and that's part of the fun of optical illusions is how people perceive things differently. Here are some, some other ones. Do you remember a couple years ago when there was that gigantic thing on the Internet where there was that dress? Yes. It was either, people thought it was either white and gold or blue and black stripes. And what was crazy about it was how much people were unable to see what others saw. It was like you saw what you saw, and it was unthinkable that anybody could—people were just bewildered, as you say, because it's like, what is this? I saw, I saw what turned out to be the, mo the more common perception, which is white and gold. I saw absolutely 100% of white and gold dress. What did you see, Alyssa? White gold as well. So guess what? It was actually blue and black. Oh, really? Yes. yes. Wow. So I will post a link um, in the show notes. Again, this is episode 172. If you don't remember this or if you want to look at the dress again, and the what I'm going to link to has a picture of the dress under like clear light. So you will see the actual dress so that you can compare it to what you thought you saw. So that's so interesting. So I'll post a link to that. Now, just recently, a little while ago, there was kind of a similar sensation, this time through audio. Elizabeth, did mm. you were you part of the whole uh, Yanni Laurel thing? Did you tap into this? Yes. Um, it was, yes. There was a word that some people heard Yanni and some people heard Laurel. I heard Yanni. I did, too. I did, too. But the thing is, you were like, it's nowhere close to Laurel. It's like... How can, no. how is anybody, I thought it was like some kind of weird prank or like if everybody says yeah. they hear something, then you go along with it. Like one of those psychology experiments, but then, it, oh, everybody's punked. Be, or, I, I, it was crazy. Let's hear it. Laurel. 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 Yeah, there you go. Um, well, it's clearly Yanni to me. Yeah. So I will put a link to an article about this if you want to understand more like how this came out, it was some um, students actually who discovered it on a pronunciation website and noticed that people were perceiving it differently. Um, but what, what they're saying is that there's two things going on. One is your ears and the other is your equipment could be influencing this, but people definitely hear different things. And then in the link, it'll show you how you can move the frequencies around so you can hear it go from Yanni to Laurel. It's quite interesting. Um, so here's, Elizabeth, like a less kind of five senses kind of thing. And this is more like, what is the meaning? So I'm going to read you this statement and you tell me what you think it means. This is an okay. aphorism. 
Give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. Is this about the nature of procrastination, or is this about the value of preparation? I interpret that as being about the value of preparation. Okay, see, when I read that, I thought it was about procrastination, which surprised me when I realized that the person who said this was Abraham Lincoln. So when and I felt like once I knew Abraham Lincoln was the person who said it, then right. I was like, then I saw this other meaning. But my automatic assumption was that it was about procrastination. So it's like, and that's Abraham Lincoln, you know, uh, famous communicator. Now, and here's something interesting back to sight. As we get older, and I know this because I'm obsessed with color, as you know, I'm working on my color mm-hmm. pilgrimage. And so I've been doing all this research on color. And it turns out that as you get older, you see the word world yellower. Um, that mm. over time, our lenses, the lenses of our eyes get yellowish. And so we look at things as if we're looking through a yellow filter. And that can make it hard to distinguish blue from purple and yellow from green and yellow green, especially when colors are washed out. It gets hard. And Elizabeth, do you remember when dad had his cataracts removed? He remarked how much bluer the world looked. Do you remember that? Mm, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He said everything looks so clear and so blue. He hadn't realized that his what he was seeing was becoming more yellow. And so, again, his if somebody says, like, had changed. Yeah. So if you say to somebody, does this lipstick look good on me? Mm. Like, they will actually see a different color. Wow. Yeah. And Gretchen, we should talk about, you know, this um, sort of the psychic meaning of our different perceptions and how it relates to the happiness stumbling block of always thinking we're right. Yeah. Um, but, Elizabeth, before we get to that, can I give one more example? And then we'll get to, like, the yes. point of this. Okay, because I just can't resist. So you don't smell your house the way a guest smells a ha- your house. Like, mm. so you, if you've ever noticed, like, people, you can't smell your own house. And it's interesting because when your brain perceives a scent to be non-threatening, like, it's perceiving a scent to be happening over and over, it decides, well, there's no need to pay very close attention to it. And there was this mm. one study where the researcher gave people um, air fresheners that had this pine smell, and they put them in their bedroom for three weeks, and, and people um, and at the, people started to say, oh, it's not working anymore, because they could mm. no longer smell the pine smell. Well, it was working. They just couldn't perceive it. And so, um, and they think, and scientists think it's because what's important about smell is to help us detect change in our environment. And so if it's predictable, you don't need to pay attention to it. And so it fades out. And so it's really true. You know, your house could have a very powerful smell, a good smell or a bad smell, and you can't smell it. Mm, Well, that's kind of frightening. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But Elizabeth, to your point, like this is just a reminder of you know, and I have this all the time. I'm like, you know, why can't other people, why don't other people just get with the program? Or like, why don't they understand what's going on here? It's like people see the world differently. They have a different perspective. They might literally be seeing colors differently, but they also might just think what's important in a situation is different. The responsibilities are different. The values that are at play, a different value is more important to them than a value is important to you. It's hard to hang on to that. 
Yeah, I think it goes to don't assume the worst or don't yes. assume that someone is really just trying to mess you up. Yeah. <laughs> really, you know what I mean? They really yeah. may have the best of intentions. Yeah. And sometimes even just knowing that, even if you can't reach agreement because yes. you true because the two of you truly don't agree, you can at least sort of ease the um, anger and resentment. Yes. Um, that you carry out of the situation. And that's really what the the stumbling block is, is all about our internal frustration over these situations. Right, right. When we don't understand why people aren't acknowledging what is true and real, but to remind ourselves, well, they may have a different view that's true for them. Even if they're hearing Yanni and I'm hearing Laurel, it's not Mm -hmm. that one person's right and one person's wrong. It's just that we're experiencing the world in a different way. So if anybody has other examples of that, I feel like it's kind of uh, an abstract thing to have an example of. But if you have other good examples of that, I am fascinated by these. Mm. I think it's just how is it possible that half the world sees a blue and black dress and half the world sees white and gold? And yet it's true. So send us any examples that you have of things like that. So interesting. Yes. Gretch, this goes in our house. We have the great blue-green debate. Adam and I do not agree on what is blue and what is green. Really? Ooh, I'm going to, like, get into that the next time I come visit you guys. That fascinates me. (laughs) Coming up, I give myself a dry cleaning demerit. But first, this break. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Okay, Elizabeth, it's time for demerits and gold stars. And we take turns giving demerits and gold stars. And this is your turn for a demerit. Yes. Um, so Gretchen, I have um, been wearing a lot of nice outfits lately. Um, in the wake of my show going to series, there's lots of meetings and lunches and dinners. And, so you, you know, you've actually been wearing clothes. Be wearing good cl- yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm actually wearing real clothes a lot of the time. And what I have found myself doing, and I know many of our listeners struggle with this as well, is if I wear something just for a couple of hours and I could wear it again, it doesn't really need to be cleaned, rather than hanging it up and putting it back in the closet so that I could use it again, I put it on the floor or on top of my laundry basket thinking I'll hang it up later. Mm. And then it inevitably gets all crumpled and mashed in with my other dirty clothes. And then I do have to dry clean it Mm -hmm. again. So I'm doing way more dry cleaning than I need to do, which is, you know, extremely expensive and not great for the environment as well. So it's like 
There's nothing good about doing more dry cleaning than you need to do. Plus, it's a hassle. It's a huge hassle. But, Elizabeth, you have a steamer. You have, like, a real proper steamer. Mm. Have you thought of steaming these, like, if it's a shirt or something like that that got wrinkled? I have not, but that is a good idea. <laughs> I should do that. Yeah. Um, that could definitely, in some of these instances, help me out. Of course, what I really should do is just hang them up yeah. after I wear them. Yeah. Um, but if I don't do that, I should try a steamer because that it's like $10 for every item. So that could save me hundreds of dollars. Well, and I remember because you have a, like, it's like a, it's like the kind of steamer. I feel like this is like the kind of steamer that a real adult has where it's like sits on the floor <laughs> and it's, it's, it's real, a real piece of thing. And when we were clearing your closet, I was like, oh, I really, I wish I had room for this. I would love to have a steamer, but I just don't have, it would, I would have to like leave it in the middle of the bedroom. Um, So I have like a little travel one that doesn't work very well. I was like, oh, I want Elizabeth steamer. That's a great steamer. It's like mom's steamer. Yeah. So try using your steamer. (laughs) Okay. I will try that. Um, Okay, Gretch, what is your gold star this week? Oh, I love this gold star. Okay. Background. I love scratch and sniffs. I have always loved scratch and sniffs. Mm -hmm. And Elizabeth, you are a hero in my world of scratch and sniffs because growing up, you had a collection. You awoke to the power of the scratch and sniff before I did. And you had you and we we still have it. Mom and dad still have this basket with your massive collection of scratch and sniffs. I feel like this is some of them even still smell. Oh, a lot of them still smell. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. The grape ones and the the pickle ones. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It's super fun. E- even for my book, Happier at Home, in which I talk about my obsession with smell, uh, we gave out, as part of the promotion, a bookmark that had scratch and sniffs on it. So mm. I got to create my own little scratch and sniffs. And I feel like, actually, to any entrepreneurs out there, I feel like scratch and sniff is really, it's, it could be the new temporary tattoo. Like, there's a lot mm. that we should all be doing with scratch and sniffs. They're so fun. And the U.S. Postal Service rose to the challenge of the scratch and sniff and yes they are releasing their first scratch and sniff postage stamps on june 20th they Uh are watercolor images of ice pops and ice cream bars and they will have a sweet summer scent that no they are not disclosing Mm. anything else yet so i'm very excited to check out my first scratch and sniff postage stamp the world just keeps evolving (laughs) and that is it for this episode of happier remember to try this at home Toss unnecessary papers. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thank you to our producer, Odelia Rubin. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers and Kristen Meinzer of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. As always, if you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us, rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. Now, for the resources, talking of scratch and sniffs reminds me of how much I love temporary tattoos. And we have happier temporary tattoos for the Happier Podcast. You can email me, and and I will mail you a temporary tattoo. But be sure to include your mailing address, because this is an actual thing that I will mail to you. And I'm sorry, but I can only do this in U.S. and Canada because of mailing costs. This is actually something that I will mail. So I'm very, very sorry our listeners who live other in other parts of the world but uh, I can do it to some degree and we also want to remind you of the other Unweird Project shows Happier in Hollywood of course where Elizabeth and Sarah talk about their fabulous adventures in Hollywood <laughs> every week on Happier in Hollywood and then if you want to have a podcast every day a short brilliant thought-provoking podcast 
check out Chris Gillibo's podcast, Side Hustle School, where he talks about just a multiplicity of ideas, strategies, and tips for getting going on your side hustle. The mantra of Happier in Hollywood is, Elizabeth, it's a fun job and we enjoy it. Yeah, and the mantra for Chris's show is, inspiration is good, but inspiration plus action is so much better. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us Onward and Upward. Already? Gosh, I I think we went long on that one.